You have reached a phone call from Paul, a literary hub podcast. To hear more, visit lithub.com. Paul Holden Graber's conversation with Jasmine Ward. Hello, could I please speak with Jasmine Ward? This is she. Hi, Paul. Hello, Jasmine. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm alive. It beats alternatives. I'm alive. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's amazing how quickly the summer goes by. Every year, I have this impression that the summer will be long. And I think, you know, in French, one says, pendant l'été, during summer. And then you say, à l'automne in autumn, and I think there's something right about that perception, but every year it feels that summers are getting shorter, and that uh, it just passes by so quickly. How... Yeah, really. Um, I'm so pleased to talk to you. Um, so pleased to talk to you about your your new book and about what you you've been up to. What did I interrupt today? What what have you been doing? I so what have I been doing? I am currently working on the profile of Ava DuVernay. That's what I was working on. Oh, really? Before you called, yes. And I've never written a pro- profile before, and I'm realizing how difficult it is. I'm working on it. I just hope I can do a good job. Why Why her? Uh, the Smithsonian is um, honoring her with an award uh, for her work, specifically 13th and um, Queen Sugar. And so they contacted um, Jennifer and asked um, you know, her if I'd be interested in writing a profile um, for her, um, I guess, which I guess they'll publish when they... You know, bestow the award on her, and I said, um, I said yes. How different is it to write a profile than to write a character in a novel? Um, I think um, it's different because um, because I'm not because I you know I, I feel like it's interesting because I feel like. You know, my questions are pointed enough um, because I think I have certain ideas about what I'd like her to say. You know, like I think that I have um, ideas about what her how what her answers will be to my questions, um, and and so I'm already I think um, you know like when I, when I'm interviewing someone, I'm already uh, thinking about you know how final profile, like the shape that the final profile will take. Um, but it's, you know, different, I think, much more different, um, you know, than like writing characters because, you know, what her replies, of course, they don't always align with what I think, you know, with, with my like preconceived notions about what her, what her responses will be. And so, you know, like I have the transcript of our interview, and so I'm going through and I'm trying to find quotes that will, you know, help, um, I guess, uh, help me construct the profile that I thought that I was going to write at the beginning of the process, but um, I don't know if it's still, 
still true. So fiction is easier because I could make it all up, right? Like, and, you know, give the characters dialogue, or at least, I mean, I don't know. I feel like they have some agency and they speak to me. Um, but, you know, they don't actually, actually, you know. Um, now, now, a, a, a question that comes to my, of course, you know, what you just said about interviewing, as you can well imagine, interests me greatly. Um, I'm, I'm always, I'm always intrigued by what I might assume someone might say to my question, and then what the person says. And my biggest hope is that I don't know what the response will be. Hmm. You know, I, I, in, in, in some way, I want to be surprised. Mm-hmm. And um, the only thing I can sort of hope for is the arc of the conversation, mm-hmm. is where it begins and perhaps where it will end. Have you, in, in, this, in this profile you're doing, um, were you surprised by some of the answers? Like, I, I asked her a question um, about humanizing her characters um, and about whether that's her aim um, in her work. And um, and she, in her reply um, to that question was um, that she, that the assumption, that, she, that the assumption of her character's humanity is already there for her um, and that her goal in her work is to add dimension it's always to add dimension and that's the way that she thinks about it and um, and that was a really interesting answer um, for yes. me to hear and um, because I think that I often um, you know people ask me about you know my characters and about humanizing my characters and um and, and i often reply you know in, in interviews i say oh you know that's something that i'm trying to do in my work i'm trying to humanize my characters and but i think um you know there's something about her answer that resonated with me and that maybe i think taught me that not that i had been answering the question incorrectly but just um you know that there are different ways to frame that that answer, you know, and to understand what I'm trying to accomplish um, in my work. And so that was one of the moments in the, uh, you know, in the interview that surprised me because I, I hadn't thought about it. Like, yeah, totally. yeah. And, and, and that's what's so interesting, I think, when we speak to people and when we speak generally, generally, is that it makes us think that thought in some way is is nurtured and nearly given birth in the mouth. Something in, in us talking to each other prompts us to think in a different way. Well, I mean, so say if we're talking about Salvage Your Bones, so in Salvage Your Bones I'm writing about a 15-year-old poor black you know, teenager who is pregnant people like her don't get to speak and I think that they're not allowed dimension, you know, and that they're often seen, you know, that, that, that they are reduced to type. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, in choosing to write an entire novel in the voice of a, of a person like that, like I am um, giving, you know, giving that, 
character an opportunity to to take on life, you know, and, 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 to, and to exist um, and to push back against those, like, preconceived notions about who a person like her is. Um, and I... So I think that that's why people ask me um, ask me that that question um, because they you know that they I feel like they you know see that the kind of people that I write about that they're not they're not often given the opportunity to push back against the the narratives that surround them and that others construct about them. I was so interested um, in reading that. One of the sources for Sing Unburied Sing, your, your new novel, was a book by um, a historian who I had not heard of before, David Oshinsky, who wrote a book called Worse Than Slavery, and that that book in some way inspired you to write a character in this novel. Um, I, like I feel like that is part of what I am trying to um, do in every piece that I write. You know, that I'm trying to um, not necessarily give give voice to people that don't have voice because they do, but yes. just yes. amplify it. I think through my work, maybe channel it through my work um, because I. You know, I mean, one of the things that broke my heart um, mm. about when I read Worse Than Slavery was, you know, when I came across that fact, right? That yes. young, you know, that children, I mean, these are children, the youngest, 12 and 13, were charged with petty crimes and then sent to Parchman Prison Farm. Um, these inmates were tortured and were worked. The system was work, was. I mean, I mean, it was akin to slavery, and so I, um, you know, I, I I was struck, like when I when I read about, you know, children like Richie, like the ghost Richie, or like the child Richie, but I was struck by the fact that I didn't know that, you know, and that I had yes. grown up in Mississippi and grown up in the state, you know, where Parchman Prison is located, um, and yet I had no idea that children that young were sent to Parchman Prison to work and die. And I, um, and there was something so heartbreaking about that, that this, that children like, you know, Rishi had never had the opportunity to tell their story, um, or tell their stories and that their, you know, their voices had been lost and that their lives in some ways had been erased because, you know, it's not common knowledge that this, that this happened. And so, um, and, and so I think when I read that fact, I, I, I couldn't avoid writing about characters like, you know, Richie, once I knew that children like him existed and that children like him suffered. Um, and so, and, and I had, I had to do it. And I, and I, and as I mature as a writer and, and as I work on, you know, just tackle different projects, I find that my fiction, that, that, that 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 is happening to me more frequently when I'm um, researching, doing research for my fiction, and that I'm coming across, you know, I'm discovering um, these, you know, so I'm discovering more and more stories, you know, from the past, and uh, discovering, you know, 
facts about people who, um, you know, who lived in the past and learning, um, you know, things that are completely surprising me. And, and I'm discovering so many voices um, and so many experiences and, and, and so many people that have been erased. And, um, and, and my immediate response is that I, I want to, um, you know, I want to push back against that. I want to write against that. I want to, to you know, you know, bring back stories and 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 and, um, and people that have been, you know, that have been lost. Um, and in a way, I mean, what you're trying to do is to save, and and th there must be an extraordinary burden in that too. There is. I mean, it's difficult to write about. Um, first of all, to, it's difficult um, because I want to honor these people in, in some way, right, by, by writing these stories. Um, and so there's that burden, right? But I, I don't want to, um, I don't want to disappoint. Yeah. And, and then it's difficult, too, because, you know, I'm writing about, I mean, you know, the, re the reality of life for, you know, prisoners in partial prison was horrible. And, um, and so that's a hard, um, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a difficult psychic space to be in when you're inhabiting this world with these characters, you know, who are, um, who are struggling to survive, um, very difficult circumstances. Um, you know, the, the, and, you know, this is relevant to seeing because, because, you know, these, you know, characters are, you know, trying to survive parchment prison. Yes. Um, and then it's difficult in the book that I'm working on now, which I'm at the very, 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 very beginning of, um, because the book that I'm right, working on now is set during New Orleans in the, during the height of the domestic slave trade. And so, again, I mean, this, this you know, again, I'm at the very, very beginning of the first chapter, and, and I'm finding that this is even more difficult to write Um then seeing what then the parts of seeing were um, because uh, you know because I'm because I'm with I'm there I'm there with with the characters as they are experiencing um, you know like the horrors of slavery and that's um it's that it's difficult it's it's challenging you, you said I, a, you said a moment ago that um, as you as you mature as a as a writer. And what I'm hearing you say, and what I think is a, a, a movement in your work, which I've been following for nearly a decade with, with passion, as you know, is um, that as you mature, your characters may, in fact, also mature and become darker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think so. And I, and I think it's because, because I'm drawn to... Um, you know, to to, to uh, stories of people who live during very dark times. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if. I mean, I think that, of course, it has something to do with our like, present moment. So I think that that is. I, I think that that is motivating. But I also think, um, you know, that I'm I'm just I'm reading more. I'm I'm studying in some ways, right? I'm, I'm, I think I'm reading more history, and I think that that is, um, but that's, that's making me grow up, you know, that's making me mature, it's pushing me in different directions. 
Um, and, you know, yeah, it's pushing me in different directions. And so I just I have to go where it takes me. The, the, the present moment and, and dark times seem to, to go together um, quite strongly for, for some of us. And um, I just, I just wonder with with um, the the extraordinary recent developments in Charlottesville and the extraordinary developments with the reaction to 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 Harvey. How how does a writer such as you um, live with this? I think generalized feeling of catastrophe. I am um, I read and I write and I write and that's all I can do right now. I mean I that's my way of um of fighting and of um you know fighting for what I value and and you know fighting for um you know, f f fighting for civil rights, fighting for, um, you know, those who are marginalized to be recognized as, uh, you know, as, as, as human beings. And, um, you know, so I, I do what I can, you know, as a, you know, as a writer, but I, um, but I don't know. I'm... Yeah, no, I mean, my question is, is, is mm -hmm. of course, too much. Um, uh, too much, and and for that matter, why should uh, a, a writer have a response to that, except in the way you put it, Jasmine, which I must say is very powerful to me, which is reading and writing as a form of resistance, mm -hmm. um, one story at a time. You know, I. I... I think that I, that when I was drafting things and then, um, and then even later, you know, now as I'm, you know, as soon as about to come out and I'm working on another book, but I know that, that I'm, that reading is, um, is doing that for me. You know, like reading is in part like what is helping me to remain sane <laughs> right now. Um, and that's, you know, like, I, while I was working on Sing, I was reading a lot of poetry. I um, rediscovered Derek Walcott um, and, and reading him um, and his work where I think that he's wrestling with some of the same um, ideas and, and stories and realities that I do in my work. Like, that was, um, that was helpful. Yeah, I was going to say, so reading offers some form of uh, comfort and solace. Yes. Um, Derek Walcott, so is this, is reading him in the way you have recently a, a new discovery? Mm -hmm. Yes, read him as an undergraduate in college, but um, it's many years since I've since I've read his work. But and, not for um, you, but not for you. You read it for college, and now you're reading it for you in some sense. Yes, yes. And and finding, um, you know, finding something of a, of, a, of a 
kindred spirit in Shin as a writer as I see that he's, again, like he's wrestling with some of the same things that I feel like I'm wrestling with, um, with uh, in my work, you know, and, and, um, and yes, so it does, it makes me feel a little less alone. And also I feel like, you know, when I read, when I read Derek Walcott, when I read Baldwin, when I read, um, you know, Tom Morrison, when I read Richard Wright, when I read Margaret Walker, like when I read all these, all these writers, um, who, who, who have, you know, come before me, who came before me, not only does it make me feel a little less alone and it's keeping me sane, but I also feel like reading them teaches me that, um, that this moment will not last forever. You know, this moment, it may feel unbearable right now and it may feel like, um, you know, like it will last forever and, and like there is no escape from it. But, you know, all these writers that I admire, um, you know, have written about times and have lived through times where I'm sure they felt the same way. And and that wasn't the end. And that moment didn't last forever. And they persevered and they created great work, great art. And so, um, and so I think that's another way that my reading experience um, has helped me uh, recently because you know, because it reminds me that, that you know, this, that, that there's a sentiment, right? This too shall pass. And I feel like it reminds me that, you know, that this too shall pass, even though it, I think that for many of us, it, it feels like it's never ending. Now, I want to go back for a moment to, to Derek Walcott. Is there any poem of his you, you might want to read? Mm-hmm. Well, that, there's a bit from, um, a, uh, from a poem that he wrote called The Gulf. Yes. Um, that I actually uh, wrote um, and kept. I, I wrote it on a uh, chalkboard that I had in, above my office, um, or it's above my desk in my office where I write. Um, and, uh, and I can read a bit from... I would love you to. I would love you to. I should also tell uh, those people who are overhearing our conversation that you you actually have as an epigraph in 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 part one of the epigraphs is by Derek Walcott and that is um, actually I think the piece that I'm reading the gulf shines as lead the coast of Texas glints like a middle rim I have no home as long as summer bubbling to its head boils for that day when in the Lord God's name the coals of fire are heaped upon the head of all whose gospel is the whip and flame, age after age, the un- uninstructing dead. And that's from the Gulf by Derek Walcott. Um, the uninstructing dead. Yes. <laughs> that might be the title of Sing and bear sing. Oh, really? It's really, really? It's a mouthful. You know, that, that, la- that last phrase, right, this, the uninstructing dead. I mean, the word instructing means that, um, that, that, uh, they are not learning and also not teaching in some respect. You know what I'm saying? Like this. They're not communicating whatever needs to be communicated, right? Um, and 
And I just, I thought when I was casting about for a title, I was thinking about the dead in my book. And not just the dead or the ghosts that we sympathize with, you know, the Richie and Given, um, but also the other dead, which I think, um, you know, which I think that Walcott is speaking about when he's referring to the uninstructing yeah. dead, right? Um, you know, the the operators of Parchment Prison, the warden of Parchment Prison, the, um, the you know, trusty shooters, um, uh, you know, and then even further back, right, to, you know, the enslavers and, you know, who tortured the enslaved. Um, I, I was, you know, thinking about all of them and about how their presence, um, you know, their presence, they're very real. They, they feel very... You know, immediate. It, it, their their deeds and their lives feel feel very present in seeing and very seeing. Um, and uh, and so I, I think I wanted to reference that in the title. Um, but again, right, Unshuffling Dead. It was a, it was a mouthful, right? And so I I still wanted to um, I think uh, refer to the. Or, or, or call attention or focus on um, on the the, the the follies of the dead, right? But then at the same time, I also wanted to focus on the follies of the living, and and so I think that's why I um, that's why uninstructing dead that phrase didn't work for me, and that's why I um, I think I finally settled on saying unburied things because I think that unburied um, that that word can apply to ghosts, and then it, of course it applies to the living um, as well, like those who haven't died. Um, and so I thought that it would. Um, I felt like that 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 phrase um, uh, and that title looked a little better than the instructing dead. And and a, a sense of hauntedness is also included in it. And then also too, I think, you know, sing, singing and the, um, the, uh, you know, singing and song. I think that those are that that's very important in in sing and buried sing. And so yes. I wanted to um, call attention to that um, as well. Um, you know, because I think that so many of the characters in sing um, are searching, you know, they're searching for something, and for many of the, um, you know, the most important characters in the novel, song symbolize, song symbolizes something, song symbolizes, um, song symbolizes uh, order and, um, but not, not subjugating order, not brutal order, but like celestial order in a way. Oh, and, um, did you say celestial? Yeah, celestial order. Or song symbolizes like home, or song symbolizes health. Um, and I and I wanted the title to you know to make the reader like aware of that. I think um, because song seems so important to like all of the characters' spirituality and their understanding of what, of what the afterlife is, 
or 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 the supernatural, right? This song song is imbued in everything, and so I wanted the title to reference that as well. I did have a a, a query for you about about music. Because music, as I as I recall, is so important to you. And um, what do you listen to these days? Um, what am I listening to these days? I actually tried to. Um, well, I haven't been listening to as much hip hop as I did as I have in the past. Um, one of the reasons that I have that I haven't or that I'm not is because Prince and I think that I am still in mourning. Um, I've always been a big Prince fan ever since I was a very young girl. Um, and so I think that my sorrow at his leaving um, is making me listen to uh, making me listen to a lot of him. Um, I uh I, um, when I was writing Sing, my editor gifted me with, um, with a book of recordings, field recordings from Parchman Farm, um, and they were recorded from 1947 to 1959, and so I listened to those, too, and I think those, I think those informed my ideas about about the importance of song and about how I could, um, you know, sort of like incorporate song into into the I don't know the, like the magical realism of the world um, that I'm that I'm writing about. Um, let's see, what else am I listening to? Um, I I really love I, and I'm totally gonna pronounce his name. I really I really love Sampa lately. Um, well, I'm I'm glad you're honest with me, and I'm glad you're 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 you're, you're telling me this. What what samba? He is a British singer, um, and uh, he's a black he's a black British singer. I don't know his um exactly like you know his uh, the ancestry exactly, but I just know that he's you know he's a black British singer, and he has one of the most beautiful voices that I've ever heard. Um, and, uh, so I, like, purchased his album, and, and when I'm, um, you know, when I'm casting about the things to listen to that will, um, that, that will soothe me at the same time, um, you know, that they will, like, wow me with how beautiful, um, it can be, then I, I turn, you know, on his music. And what is his name again? Samba, S-A-M-P-H-A. Oh, I, I, I don't know, but um, guess what I'll do tonight. <laughs> um, so I will, I will, I will definitely do that. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to, to, to hear of these discoveries because then you can make them y- yourself. Um, mm. Jasmine, in, in, in closing, I would love you if you're willing to read something from Sing Unburied Sing. I mean, I, I, there's so many passages that, that I love, um, but I'm obviously extremely curious what, what you, what you m- might choose. I have no idea because this will be my first time reading from, <laughs> reading from things, so I have no idea what to read. I mean, the easiest thing would be to read 
you know, read from the beginning, like read the first two paragraphs. Whatever, whatever, um, whatever you 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 choose to read will be wonderful. Um, I I can say that there's one paragraph on page one hundred four spoke to me very deeply. Um, I'll I'll read that paragraph and then have you follow it up with the beginning. If the world were a right place, a place for the living, a place where men like Michael didn't end up in jail, I'd be able to find wild strawberries. That's what Mama would look for if she couldn't find milkweed. I could boil the leaves and Michael's lawyer's house where we're staying before we go pick Michael up in the morning. Put a little sugar in it, a little food coloring like Mama used to do whenever I had an upset stomach as a child, and tell her it's juice. I like to think I know what death is. I like to think that it's something I could look at straight. When Pop tell me he needs my help and I see that black knife slid into the belt of his pants, I follow Pop out the house, try to keep my back straight, my shoulders even as a hanger. That's how Pop walks. This is normal and boring, so Pop will think I've earned these 13 years. So Pop will know I'm ready to pull what needs to be pulled, separate innards from muscle, organs from cavities. I want Pop to know I can get bloody. Today's my birthday. I grab the door so it don't slam, ease it into the gym. I don't want Mama Kayla to wake up with none of us in the house. Better for them to sleep. Better for my little sister Kayla to sleep. Because on nights when Leonie's out working, she wake up every hour, sit straight up in the bed and scream. Better for Grandma Man to sleep because the chemo done dried her up and hollowed her out the way the sun and the air do water oaks. Pop weeds in and out of the trees, straight and slim and brown as a young pine tree. He spits in the dry red dirt and the wind makes the trees wave. It's cold. The spring is stubborn. Most days it won't make way for warmth. The chill stays like water in a bad draining tub. I left my hoodie on the floor in Leonie's room where I sleep, and my t-shirt is thin, but I don't lift my arms. If I let the cold go at me, I know when I see the goat, I flinch or frown, and Pop cuts the throat. And Pop being Pop, we'll see. What is happening here? So the story begins um, on Jojo's 13th birthday, and he is following um, his grandfather um, out uh, to the yard, to the goat pen, um, to pick out a goat, um, and which they are slaughtering uh, to celebrate JoJo's birthday. So it's sort of like a ritual that they have that every birthday that JoJo has, Pop slaughters one of the goats and cooks the goat for him um, as like, you know, as a, as a, as a show of love. Um, you know, JoJo's grandparents are raising, basically raising um, him and his younger sister, his baby sister, Kayla, because their mother is largely absent and um, and concerned with uh, with other things, but then because uh, Jojo's grandmother is ill because she's dying of cancer, um, Pop, you know, his grandfather, is um, is basically raising both of the children alone um, because you know their grandmother can't. Jasmine, I I um I wish you really well on 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 the launch of this 
this book tour and um it's a real 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 pleasure to speak with you and um i hope to see you before long and i wish you i wish you well with the new new orleans book and and the profile you're finishing yes thank you paul <laughs> thank you so much jasmine thank you paul bye bye bye